The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue to examine the life of David, we have seen him as a deliverer even while he's wandering in the wilderness, fleeing from Saul. He has delivered a city. He's delivered his men more than once through the providence of God. He has come to the point in his life where, as the leader of a ragtag band of misfits, a golden opportunity has presented itself for him to destroy his enemy Saul. Circumstances would dictate that he should take this opportunity, kill Saul, and ascend the throne. The natural desire is for us to take vengeance upon our enemies. But David knew what the Word of God said. He knew that vengeance belongeth unto the Lord. So instead of taking vengeance, he listened to God and spared Saul's life. Join us today as we conclude this sermon entitled, David the Deliverer, Delivering His Enemy. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. I will call upon the Lord.
See, the problem with us taking vengeance into our own hands anyway is that we never get it right. We mess it up anyway. We don't always get it right. The Lord has a way of taking vengeance. The Lord has a way of getting justice that we can never touch. I'll tell you. Just leave it in His hands. Leave it in His hands. David's men saw it as an opportunity for revenge. David saw it as an opportunity to show mercy and to prove that his heart was right with God. God was really giving him an answer to his prayer. You remember the prayer over in Psalm 54? This was the, remember now, this is, this is to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when the Ziphims came and said to Saul, doth not David hide himself with us? That is this, if you go back and look at chapter 23, this is this very time when he wrote this. I, lo I love this about David because you can always, most, uh, he, he wrote so many psalms, the Lord inspired him to write so many psalms about the situations he was facing that we know what he's thinking. And this is what he said, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. God is answering his prayer right here. He's giving David actually a chance to let God answer his prayer instead of David taking it into his own hands. And so instead of full-blown revenge, David cuts off the skirt of Saul's robe that he had apparently laid aside while he took care of his business. I want you to notice something else about David when we're exploring the idea of him being a man after God's own heart. David had a tender heart, a tender heart toward the things of God. Because I want you to see his conviction now. We've seen his temptation. Look at his conviction in verse 5. And it came to pass, this is back in 1 Samuel 24 now, verse 5. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And here's what, here's what he was concerned about. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise up against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. Look at the conviction of his conscience. His conscience bothered him because he had gone in there and cut off this corner of Saul's robe. In Psalm 105 and verse 14, David writes, He suffered no man to do them wrong, talking about God. And listen to this, Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes. The context here is he's talking about Israel. And then he says this, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. See, David remembered that Saul was not David, just David's king. And David, really, David was the king already. God had already removed the kingship from Saul. David was already the king. But in, in, in actual fact, Saul was still reigning, and he had been anointed of God. And, and David realized, this is not my king. This is not my place to do this. It's God's anointing. I heard Brother Neil Honey preach one time about not speaking evil of dignitaries. <laughs> Because, see, the powers that be are ordained of God. That doesn't mean the person that's in place necessarily is ordained by God. Sometimes uh, the person that's in place is due to our own ignorance as an electorate, and we elect the wrong person, okay? But the powers that be, the position that's there, is not ours, but God's. God has ordained the powers that be. He's ordained government to be in, in charge to give us an opportunity, really, to live peaceably in this present evil world. That's, you know, what's, what's the purpose of government? It's to keep order so that His kingdom can flourish. And I believe that's why America has flourished all through these years. Yeah. 
Not, not for any other reason than that we have been a haven for the kingdom of God. The churches in America have flourished, whereas they have been persecuted and put down in many ways in the other parts of the world. And so as long as America is, is, uh, is a friendly place for the church of God, I believe, and for the kingdom of God, I believe that, uh, uh, that America will be blessed. But when we quit being uh, open and, and welcoming to the kingdom of God, I believe the Lord will do something different. But my point is this, that's something God has ordained. And David said, I'm not going to speak evil. I'm not going to do any harm to him because that's God's anointed. Touch not the anointed of God. Let God handle that, you see. It doesn't mean in our situation, by the way, that we don't vote them out. <laughs> That's different. But back then, the way you got rid of a king is you killed him. <laughs> he had to die, see, and someone else take over. And we don't do that, you see. Pray for him, but we don't touch not the Lord's anointed. And this was an act of disrespect that humiliated Saul. It made him look silly. And David felt remorse for this. He felt remorse for it. And he says, God forbid that I do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. But you know, one thing this was, though, too, is it was proof positive that David didn't intend to kill Saul. It was proof to Saul and to the king that the flatterers in his court were all liars. Look as we continue to see David's vindication here. Verse 8, David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself, showing respect to his position here, you see. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in mine hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. The Lord therefore be judge and judge between me and thee and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of thine hand. I want you to notice what David did. First of all, he showed him respect. He said, my Lord, the king. He showed him the respect due to his office. He did not respect the man, but he respected the position and he showed respect under that office. Remember what we said, turn back just briefly to Romans chapter 13. And remember what it says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but unto evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power, and do that which is good? Uh, and thou shalt, or do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do evil, that which is evil, be afraid. Skip on down, verse 6. He said, For this cause we pay tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, 
Uh, and fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. He's just saying this. When you can't respect the man, you still need to respect the office. And that's what David did. He showed respect. He didn't do anything that he shouldn't do. He showed respect. And then he, then he defended himself. And I want to come back to this in a moment, the Lord willing, but, but I want you to notice what he, what he did. He sought reconciliation here. He sought reconciliation and he, he, he defended himself. He pointed out the facts of what really had happened here. He said, listen, Saul, I know they're telling you this. I know you believe I'm your enemy. I know you're, you, they're telling you I'm out to kill you, but I want to show you the facts. And, and notice that the facts were on David's side. That's something important, child of God. No matter the situation, no matter how great your enemy is or how frustrating or aggravating your enemy may be, make sure the facts are always on your side. That is, don't do something that they could hold against you. Don't do something deceitful. Don't do something prideful. Don't fall into sin yourself and try to take matters into your own hands. Do right. People say the end justifies the means. No, it doesn't. In fact, I'll say to you that it's right opposite. The means justifies the end. We must do right in everything. Whether reconciliation ever comes or not, we must always do right. He presented the facts, and the facts were on his side. He said, look here, I have this piece of your robe. I could have killed you, and I didn't do it. I could have done. He presented the facts to him, and thereby he proved his faithfulness. He proved his faithfulness. He did right. He did that which was right. And then he pledged his friendship to him. He said, I'm not your enemy. He said, the Lord judge between you and me. I'm willing to submit my case to the throne room and the judgment halls of heaven. The Lord be my judge. The Lord tell, uh, will be the one to determine whether I'm your friend or not. You look at this. I'm not afraid for my actions to come to light. That's the way we should be, child of God. He pointed to his actions. And in a minute, we're going to see the outcome here. But first of all, as we sort of bring this to a close this morning, let's look at some lessons. Let's look at some lessons from David's encounter with Saul. As we've already said, first of all, we should refuse retaliation, refuse vengeance, even when the circumstances seem to call for it. The question is not, do you have opportunity? The question is, what would the Lord have you to do? That's the question. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You may, have, you may have counselors of this world telling you, do it, do it, do it, do it now. See what's, they'll be reasonable, they'll tell you. But refuse retaliation. Refuse vengeance. Even when the circumstances seem to allow for it, and even when counselors of this world advise it. And then, we should always seek reconciliation we should seek reconciliation. And that is a risky proposition, child of God. Let me tell you something. I would much rather be in the midst of a battle fighting with someone than, than to be in the position of trying to reconcile with that person. Because there's more risk. You know, when the battle's on and it's heated, you know, you know you're fighting and you're, you know, if you're in the midst of a battle, you know what's going to happen. You're going to either win or they're going to win. But reconciliation is risky. You know, David risked a lot. He risked the ridicule of his men. Over in uh, chapter 26, there's another opportunity here for David to kill Saul. And in verse 8, Saul is sleeping and all of his men around there, and they're in a deep sleep. 
In chapter 26 and verse 8, Abishai, who is one of David's leaders, he said, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with a spear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. I think what's happened here is this. Abishai said, you know, he's remembering this other time. He's remembering when uh, Saul was in the cave uh, covering his feet and, and David wouldn't touch him. So Abishai says, no, no, here we go again. This guy's not going to kill him again. Let, let me do it. I'll take care of it for you. I'll go do it. He said, this is the Lord delivering him into your hand. And David said to Abishai in verse 9, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointing. But I pray thee, take thou the spear that set his bolster in the cruise of water and let us go. He kind of did another little similar thing where he took his spear in the water. But David said, I am not going to take vengeance into my own hands. I don't care what you say. But he risked ridicule. He risked, using the, he risked losing the respect of his men. These were battle-hardened men. They said, you've got to kill him, David. This, is, this time and then the second time, he risked losing their respect. He risked them thinking he's weak. He risked them thinking he was a fool. <laughs> you know, that's what gets me. I hate being played the fool. I hate being thought a fool. I hate being thought that you're too weak to handle this. But you know, my strength, God told Paul, is made perfect in thy weakness. You know what else Paul said? He said, we're fools for Christ's sake. We're fools for Christ's sake. And so I say unto you, child of God, risk reconciling. Because it is a risky proposition. But try it anyway. Is it always going to work out? No. And the other thing you risk, by the way, in trying to reconcile with somebody is the retaliation of that person. I saw a book. I can't remember exactly what it was called. We, we were over at Barnes & Noble. A book that said, the book of, something like this, the book of perfect comebacks. I like, I like those. Don't you like those comebacks? You know, when somebody, somebody says something to you, you say, well, you're so and so. Then you have that perfect comeback. You just, that zinger that you get them. You know, all I could ever think of is, I know you are, but what am I? You know, that kind of thing. Something stupid like that. I can't ever come up with anything better than that myself. I started to get that book. I said, I want those comebacks. That I, but you know, as I thought about it, I said, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not trying to prove how smart I am or how wise I am, how witty I am. You know, when you, when you come at me and you... You disrespect me and you, you get a zinger on me. It's not my job to come up with a perfect comeback. I like that. My flesh likes that. But it's okay to be a fool. Do you know that? It's okay to look like a fool because we are fools for Christ's sake. Amen. And we're to continue to try to reconcile with those that are our enemies as long as the Lord gives us opportunities. That, again, that doesn't mean we're trying to, we're constantly obsessing about it or we're constantly, you know, David wasn't obsessing about it. The only reason he was having to do it is they were chasing him. You know, once he got off into Philistia, and we're going to talk about that in maybe a couple of couple of weeks, something like that. Uh, uh, when he got off into Philistia and Saul quit chasing him, then, uh, you know, he, well, he didn't have Saul on his mind all the time. But as long as they were, Saul was coming at him, uh, he was trying to reconcile with him. And he risked reconciliation. Notice in chapter 24 again, after he does this, verse 16, it came to pass, when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. 
I'm, I'm going to tell you my theory, my speculation, and that's all it is, is my speculation. But I believe this. I believe, now this is not speculation. I know Saul was a child of God. Because we're told that Samuel the prophet, who I know was a child of God, when he was conjured up by the witch of Endor, said, you're going to be with me. I don't believe Saul, I don't believe Samuel's in hell, and I believe he was in heaven, and I believe Saul is in heaven too. He was a child of God. He was just an errant child of God. And as a child of God, I believe his heart was truly pricked here with remorse for what he had been doing to his, his brother, his son, if you will, David. He said, Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said unto David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not." <laughs> For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swear unto Saul. And Saul went home, but David and his men got them up into the hold. I believe Saul was sincere when he said this. Now we're going to find it didn't last long. I want to say to you, I'm, I'm sincere. I've never repented when I wasn't sincere. I've never repented of something when I wasn't sincere. And yes, many times, like a dog to his vomit, I've gone right back to that thing that I, should, that I repented from. Saul did the same thing here. But I believe David had proved to him in, in, in such a way that Saul confessed that David will be the next king. And he went on to desire the covenant similar to that which Jonathan uh, had sworn to him. Now, now let, me, let me point one other thing out to you here. Saul, who is chasing David, who has run him all over the country and would kill David if he got David in the similar situation that David had Saul. Saul then says, please swear to me that you're going to do me good, basically. You're going to do my family good when you become king. Now, what's our normal reaction to that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Boy, you got some nerve asking me to do good to you when you're trying to kill me. And you know, sometimes we judge our actions and what we should do in a situation based on what we think the other person would do. So if we did that, you know, if, if, if we were David and we said, when I look, and I'm sure his men probably used this as an argument, probably said to him, okay, David, now you know, you know, if Saul got you in this situation, he'd kill you, so you kill him, you know? How many times do we look at it that way? Brethren, that's a flesh talking. You know what David did? David heaped coals of fire on Saul's head. He said, okay, Saul, I'm going to swear to you. Same covenant I made with Jonathan. I'm going to make it with you. I'll not cut off your seed after you, and I won't destroy your name out of, out of your father's house. As we continue reading and studying the life of David, we're going to learn that, uh, that he did just that. He took care of it. All the sweetest, one of the sweetest stories in all the Bible that teaches us about the sovereign mercy and grace of God is the story of David and Mephibosheth, who was Saul, uh, Saul's grandson with a little crippled grandson with the two legs that were broken and mangled and that could not get to the palace. David sent for him and he brought him down to the palace. He, he looked around, he said, is there any of the house of Saul left that I may show him mercy for Jonathan's sake? 
oh, what a, if David had been a vengeful man like I often am, we'd have never had that story. He just said, when I become king, I'm going to slay every descendant. That's what the kings did back then. If they could, when a new king, a new dynasty took over, they tried to kill every male child, particularly of that previous king. Every descendant, he tried to eliminate his line. Oh, but David, David was a man after God's own heart. And he didn't worry about the actions of Saul or the future goodwill of Saul. He simply forgave him and he treated him right, just like you and I are called upon to forgive our brother and to treat him right. Yes, that sweet story of Mephibosheth, the little crippled boy that could not even uh, come to the palace on his own. You know the story that when, when Saul was slain, eventually, all of the household of Saul fled Jerusalem and the little nursemaid that was carrying the little boy fell and broke his hips or his, his, his legs or something so that he was lame in both his feet. Oh, what a picture of you and I, child of God. What a picture of you and I. None of us, Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. You know why that is? Because sin had lamed us in both our legs. Not just one. We, you know, most people think we can limp along to the Lord. Uh-uh. This little boy couldn't even limp along. He, had to, he couldn't drag himself. He was in the land of Lodabar, a place where there was no place of famine, a place where there was nothing there to nourish him, a place far away from the castle. And David, who made this covenant here because he was not a vengeful man, he said, I want to show him mercy. So Ziba, the servant, he said, you go fetch him. You go fetch him. I love that. <laughs> you know that you and I had to be fetched by the Holy Spirit? We didn't come to him. We're in a position, as I've said many times, we would not come to him if we could. We could not come to him if we would. What a position to be in. But oh, the Lord sends his Holy Spirit to fetch his children out of the land of Lodabar, just like Ziba fetched that little boy. That little boy out of the out of the land where there was no where there was famine, there was nothing for him to be nourished, and he ate continually at the king's table for the rest of his life. You see, you understand that the life of David is not just a story that's good for telling to children, nursery rhyme, that sort of thing. It's something that's good for us to understand. He was a man after God's own heart because he swore to this man who was his enemy that I will have mercy upon your children, I will have mercy upon your descendants, and he fulfilled that. Not because the descendants had anything good in them. They were, the, they were the sons of the enemy. They were the descendants of the enemy. But this man, after God's own heart, we're told, he made a covenant, even to one that was an enemy, that he would take care of his posterity. And he did that. Oh, David, you could have done so differently. And the world's counsel was that you do differently. The Rambo movies aren't as popular as they used to be, but I saw one on, on one of the stations uh, the other day, Rambo 2, I think it was. Some of you that are my age and a little older remember that that's the one where they were sending Rambo back into Vietnam to, uh, to look for some prisoners of war, uh, but they really didn't want to find them, and he didn't know that, but he found them. And then just about the time they were going to extract him, uh, they call the helicopter off. They leave him stranded with the POWs in Vietnam. And I was telling, I think it was Ashley, Ashley, maybe she's sitting there, and one of the kids, you know, said something about what this movie's about. Oh, it's a great movie. 
It's a great movie. This sorry devil over here that's in charge has, has abandoned him and is going to leave him there in Vietnam, but old Rambo is going to kill everybody, and he's going to come out, and he's going to find him. And he, he's, you know, I didn't tell her the end of it, but he doesn't kill him, but oh, man, I wanted him to so bad. You know, I love those movies. I love that. I love that. Human flesh, you know, I like to see the vengeance taken. But child of God, imagine this. Imagine that our enemy had taken vengeance on us. You say, preacher, you talking about the devil? No, I'm not talking about the devil. I'm talking about God. Let me tell you something. We read in Romans chapter 5 that when we were yet enemies, do you realize that God in our flesh, in our natural man, God is our enemy? We are His enemy? He's not our enemy because there's something wrong with Him. He's our enemy because there's something wrong with us. Imagine if our enemy, if our enemy had said, I'm going to take vengeance and not show mercy. I'm going to destroy them from the face of the earth. He would have been absolutely just and right. But we have been forgiven for Christ's sake. He showed us mercy. And when we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. You understand we're not, he didn't die because there's something wrong with him. He didn't go to the cross because there was something that he was guilty of. He went to the cross because you and I were guilty. What a blessing it is to know that we have an elder brother who died for us and showed us mercy. We ought to do the same to those that we encounter, to our enemies. May the Lord bless us to understand this and to apply this in our lives in the upcoming weeks and months. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 